You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. Thanks for joining us for this Viva podcast. Today we'll be discussing sterilization packaging. Our guest is Leanne Kiefer, an expert in the field of infection control and a noted international speaker and dental hygienist. She serves on various foundation and publication boards in the U.S. and Canada and is on the editorial review board for OSAP. Leanne is currently the Director of Clinical Services and Education for Crosstex International. Leanne, it's a pleasure to have you on Dental Talk. Hello, Phil. It's great to be back. You've done some podcasts in the past which have been just phenomenal, and we're really excited to have you on the show today. So to begin, um, again, we're talking about sterilization packaging, and I like the title. It's a wrap. You always have these really good titles. I don't know where you get them from, but um, I guess you make them up. But <laughs> I do. Uh, yeah, so that's good. we got a creative person here. Um, so what are the primary functions of sterilization packaging? Let's start with that. Okay, and so when we're talking about packaging, it can be two different things. It could be something like a plastic paper peel pouch, or it could also be a flat wrap. And so if we're using cassettes and we want to be able to wrap the cassette, we're talking about using sterilization wrap or the blue paper that most people are familiar with. And the main function is actually its use after sterilization because it has to be designed to be able to maintain sterility of the contents of the pack that you know it's surrounding. The sterilized instruments are in the pouch and then they're stored somewhere. And because of the fact that they're stored after they're sterilized, they need to be stored in packaging that preserves the sterility. Right. And a pouch in and of itself, that would be where loose instruments would be contained in a paper plastic pouch. But if you're using a, an instrument organization system like a cassette, the metal cassettes, then you have a choice to put them in a pouch or you can wrap them in the blue paper. And that is also an accepted method to maintain the sterility. What are the performance characteristics to look for when evaluating and selecting a sterilization wrap? And I'm going to only focus on the disposable single-use, and I did say single-use, Phil, flat wraps. Um, we sometimes call them non-wovens. This is in comparison to the what were called the wovens or the reusable, the fabric and muslin that was common in the 1960s. But sterilization wrap, three key areas that we need to look at. It has to be able to be penetrable to whatever the sterilant is that we're using. And in dentistry, basically, we use steam sterilization. So steam has to be able to penetrate through that non-woven fabric to be able to access the contents of the uh, cassette. It also has to provide a strong, effective barrier post-sterilization like we just talked about. And the last part is we call it ease or effectiveness of use. And it's not about the clinician so much is ease of use that it's going to be able to keep that seal, that, in, that integrity seal to maintain sterility and also for it to be able to drape or wrap around the this metal box so that it conforms to what's inside. And then when we unwrap that blue wrap, you know, it's almost like unwrapping a present at the holidays we need to be able to easily unwrap it and have an aseptic presentation before use, especially when we're in, say, surgical environments like perio or oral surgery. So it allows us to do an aseptic presentation. So apparently there's different kinds of wraps out there as far as quality goes. So if an office is looking to save money and they buy a particular kind of wrap for a cassette system and they buy it on price, and I don't know where they get it from what country or whatever. Is there a huge difference between the premium brands and 
and I'm saying that because I know Crosstex manufactures and sells the, the quality brands, the top-notch stuff. Is there a huge difference? And you've asked a great question, Phil, because basically what you're saying is, is there a perfect wrap? And there isn't a perfect wrap, but what we want to do is make sure that the features of the wrap that we're selecting, it's going to bring that safety and integrity of the instruments so that when we present to the patient, we're using sterile instruments. And what we have to look at, um, there are different weights. There are different types of the way that the material is produced, this non-woven material. And basically, what we're using today is a either a polypropylene or what they call a spun bond melt blown type of a fabric. So they're non-woven. It's not cotton. It's not linen. It's um, a fiber that's made out of polypropylene pellets that they actually melt. And then it's extruded into filaments, and then the filaments are bonded together, which forms a very durable, uh, fluid-resistant fabric that's still soft enough that it can drape and conform to the, you know, the size and the edges of the of the cassette. There's quite a process to make something that's really quality that does the job. And uh, I know you're uh, the educational director for Crosstex, and I and I know that you lecture quite a bit for continuing education. I'm sure you make sure people understand that buying a quality wrap for these instruments is really critical for this to be a successful sterilization process. You know, just because you can purchase something that looks like blue paper doesn't mean that it's been validated the way a quality product would have done at the choice of the manufacturer, as you said. Yeah. So So ask for those validation studies. Yes, no, absolutely. So why do standards and most manufacturers recommend or even require the use of two layers of sterilization? (laughs) You asked the question, Phil, that (laughs) frustrates a lot of clinicians because it's like, why do I have to use two? I can do one and it seems to be fine. It started out, believe it or not, in the 1960s when they were using the muslin fabric because of it being fabric, you know, it wasn't, it could be penetrated by microorganisms. And so back in the 60s and 70s, they started using double wrap to actually make it um, more resistant to microbial penetration. When we went into the non-wovens, it is still considered best practice to use two layers And a lot of it has to do with how we treat it afterwards, like how it's going to be handled and how it's going to be stored, because that puts a lot of, you know, strain and stress on that packaging that's gone through steam sterilization. The other part that I like and makes sense to me as a clinician is when you use two layers, if something should happen to that outside layer, something environmental, um, it gets poked, it gets punctured, it gets ripped. But the inside, the second layer, hasn't been compromised or damaged then you don't have to re-sterilize the pack. So it's almost like an insurance policy, Phil, is the way I think about why do the two layers. Right. So the material itself has actually improved through the whole manufacturing process and the R&D behind the actual makeup of the material, but it's still recommended, as like you said, as an insurance policy to use two layers. That's Absolutely. Okay. There is, And I will say, Phil, to be fair, there is one manufacturer on the market that has sort of ultrasonically bonded two fabric layers and so when you purchase it it has two layers already bonded together but there's only one manufacturer on the market everybody else and you have to follow the manufacturers IFUs I can tell you on ours it says use two layers of wrap because if you don't remember this is a type or a class 2 FDA medical device so if you're not using it as it was validated it's considered off-label use of a medical device so that is very interesting let me ask you this what do the CDC guidelines state about the use of chemical indicators when, when using cassettes and wrap? 
Phil, they're very clear. Basically, the CDC says that a chemical indicator should be used inside each package or pouch to verify that the sterilant, the steam, has actually penetrated the package and has reached the instruments inside. Important to remember for our, our listeners, Phil, just because a chemical indicator changes color, as it should, it does not, it does not mean that the contents are sterile because there's no viable organism that's showing lethality. All it's saying is you reach time, temperature, pressure, whatever that indicator is measuring. The other part is CDC indicates that if you can't see the internal indicator, which if you're using blue paper around a metal cassette, you obviously won't be able to see that, then you need to also apply an external chemical indicator, which should be looked at immediately after coming out of sterilization to see that it is processed. Okay, and Crosstex International has all these these products are all the indicators and all and everything else. Absolutely, Phil. And I would I would encourage um, this is not a time to do a DIY kind of a project. So something like taking a piece of steam sterilizer tape and folding it in half on itself to say I've made this a internal chemical indicator. That's not appropriate use. You have to use an approved strip that it has in fact been tested for steam sterilization. Yeah, I certainly would recommend that, of course. Um, so CDC, going back to CDC again, they have some guidelines. Uh, I know in 2016, they had a summary of infection prevention practices in the dental setting. And that states that packages should be labeled to show the sterilizer used, the cycle or load number, and the date of sterilization. So what's the best way to comply with all this? I often use in my lecture, tape is a sticky issue. Um, and, but <laughs> when we're writing on sterilization wrap, we cannot use any type of writing instrument on the paper itself. Remember that paper is porous, and we don't want anything to compromise the integrity of the paper. So the only place that we have, if we're going to use writing rather than a sort of the adhesive labels that are also available, then we have to write on the tape only, Phil. And so as you said, they need to list which sterilizer it was, the cycle or load number, however your um, facility um, classifies that, and as well as the date of sterilization, because what if you have a uh, spore test failure and you have to recall instruments? This is going to help you to go back and see which ones do I have to reprocess. Mm -hmm. and you need to know which, which ones are not deemed completely sterilized before you use them on a patient. So right. finally, as we wrap up this podcast, it's been very interesting. What recommendations do you have about loading wrapped cassettes in the steam sterilizer and best practices for storage? This could be a 15-minute podcast in the one question, Phil, but I'm just going to sort of do a couple <laughs> highlights. The easiest way to think about use of cassettes as recommended by sterilizers, by the instrument companies that make the cassettes, and by the companies that also provide the wrap is best practice is to do vertical loading. Think of like books on a shelf. So when I look into the sterilizer, it should be like books lined up on edge with a little bit of space in between each one. You don't want to pack them tight because you want the steam and the heat to be able to cycle 360 around that package during the process. If, you, if a practice opts to do what I call common practice, and that would be horizontal loading, whether it be their pouches or it be a wrapped cassette, must be in a single layer. You can't put a cassette on the bottom of the tray and then put a pouch on top of it. Can't do that. It has to just be flat by itself and there has to be space in between. But again, best practice is vertical loading. When we store them, Phil, they should also be stored vertically. You don't want to stack them up like a deck of cards in a 
cabinet because then when you go to pull out like the third one down because you want that particular set of instruments, every time you slide packaging material over itself, you risk compromising the integrity. So vertical storage, vertical loading works. And we're always responsible as clinicians that before we use that pack or pouch with a patient, we need to do a thorough visual, visual examination of the packaging to make sure that it's not been compromised. Last but not least, Phil, I just want to get one other point that I think people sometimes get confused about with sterilization packaging. When you purchase wrap or tape or indicators or, or pouches, the manufacturers are going to have an expiration date for the materials from the date of manufacture. I can give you an example, you know, it's going to be two or three years depending upon your manufacturer. And that means if I get to that date and there's product left, I can no longer use that product past the expiration date because it would be off-label use. However, if I use that same box the day before it expires and it has a successful um, sterilization, then I have a shelf life date that the manufacturer is going to tell me that after it's sterilized, its shelf life date is going to be anywhere from one to three years, depending upon the manufacturer. And I think a lot of people get very confused about material expiration date and shelf life post-sterilization date. And the other thing that they need to remember, Phil, is sometimes we try to be very neat in how we um, have our packaging materials ready to be used and we take them out of the original box that they come in and we don't think about transferring the information of the lot number or the material expiration date. What if something happens and you, you know you need help from the manufacturer? If you don't know what that lot and expiration date is, you know, we can't help. Yeah, these are fantastic tips and everybody working in sterilization in a practice should definitely listen to this podcast because this was a great summary of some of the key things that need to be understood to make sure that our instruments are sterile for every procedure that we do on a patient. And Leanne, can you tell our audience the best way to get more information about Crosstex products? About product-specific items, Phil, absolutely. Um, you can speak with one of our sales uh, team people, or you can speak with one of the distributor reps that we work with. You also can go online to the crosstex.com website, and when you go under the dental section, Looking at the, the sterilization box, it will then open up individual items like the uh, Steam Plus Type 5 chemical indicators, the SureCheck chemical indicators, the SureCheck pouches, the CSR wrap. Everything's there. But underneath the basic product description, Phil, we've also done additional information that we have product sell sheets, the validation sheets, and all the reference material that you might need so that you, it's at your fingertips and you can download it. So, again, we're talking with Leanne Kiefer. She's an expert in the field of infection control, and uh, we really enjoyed this discussion. I recommend that you share it with your colleagues so they could also learn from this. And Leanne, I hope to have you on another podcast soon. I look forward to it, Phil. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Just so you know, you can access all of our episodes on Viva Learning's website at vivalearning.com or on your favorite podcast platform, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher.